Hello, and welcome to the Doctors Washington Podcast. On this episode of The Plug, we will discuss USMLE Step 2. The USMLE, or the United States Medical Licensing Exam, is a series of three tests required for U.S. medical school graduates and required for completion of medical school and medical licensure in this country. Students often complete the USMLE Step 1 after the first two years of medical school, and Step 2 is often required prior to graduation. So let's talk about it. Tell us a bit about Step 2. Weren't there some recent changes to the test? The USMLE Step 2 is encompassed in two portions historically, the clinical knowledge portion, or CK, and the clinical skills portion, CS. Because of the pandemic, the CS portion that you had to travel for in order to to complete was eliminated, but the CK portion of the written exam was maintained. Some of this, there was some discussion about the CS portion going away well before the pandemic but I believe that the pandemic was a nail in the coffin for that one. Now, who's eligible to take step two? To be eligible for step two, you must be in one of the following categories at the time you apply and on the day of your exam. So first, you must be a medical student officially enrolled in or a graduate of a U.S. or Canadian medical school program leading to an MD degree that's accredited by the Liaison Committee on Medical Education. Two, you must be a medical student officially enrolled in or a graduate of a U.S. medical school leading to the D.O. degree that is accredited by the Commission on Osteopathic College Accreditation. Or three, a medical student officially enrolled in or graduate of a medical school that is outside the U.S. and Canada listed in the World Directory of Medical Schools as meeting ECFMG eligibility requirements and that meets other eligibility criteria of the ECFMG. Word of note is that if you unfortunately are dismissed or withdraw from medical school, you are not eligible for the USMLE exam, even if you are appealing your school's decision or otherwise contesting your status. So with that being said, what is the purpose and breakdown of step two? So step two is one of those major milestone tests in your medical career, and it is intended to assess the ability to apply your medical knowledge, skills, and understanding of the clinical science essential for provision of patient care under supervision. It really ensures that the students understands the basic principles of science, um, the basic patient-centered skills that um, provide the foundation for the safe practice of medicine. So step two is a one-day test. It's divided into eight 60-minute blocks and administered in one nine-hour testing session. And there are approximately 40 questions per block. You know, one of the main things is it's important for students to be well-prepared. And I remember when I was studying for step two, I was told that it wasn't as hard as step one. And I think that's true. Um, But luckily, you know, they have a detailed outline on the USMLE website where they tell you the content and percentage of questions that you'll get on each topic. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Dr. Kimberly, can you talk about what specific topics or organ systems are involved in in that test? Sure. The 
Test questions are classified in one of 18 major categories based on organ systems and key principles, physician tasks and competency specifications, and discipline specifications. In step 2CK, um, it includes test items in the following content areas. So internal medicine, obstetrics and gynecology, pediatrics, preventative medicine, uh, psychiatry, surgery, or other, or other areas relevant to the revision of care under supervision. So these are things that you've done over that last clerkship um, time period. You would have completed all of these different rotations before taking this exam. Most of step two CK test items describe clinical situations and require that you provide one or more of the following, a diagnosis, a prognosis, an indication of underlying mechanism of disease, the next step in medical care, including preventative measures. Um, also on this test is an integrated examination that frequently requires the interpretation of tables and laboratory data, imaging studies, photographs of gross or microscopic pathologic specimen, and results of other diagnostic studies. Step 2CK tests the aspiring physician's knowledge of medicine, putting special emphasis on the principles and mechanisms underlying the disease and the therapies needed to address them. So Dr. Jasmine, what are some specific test-taking strategies students should employ for Step 2 CK? That's a great question. Um, this is kind of the meat and potatoes of how you prep for taking a test that's this important. So first, you need to, of course, read each question carefully. It's important to understand what the question is asking of you, because sometimes it may ask you, like Dr. Kimberly mentioned, what is this diagnosis? And sometimes it may ask, what's the next step after doing the inf or after obtaining the information that you've already gotten? Next, try to generate an answer and then look for it in the response option list. Um, some people use this strategy um, to help them uh, really hone in on what the question is asking. Because if you look at the last portion of the question that really is asking you what your answer will be, then it can frame how you understand the context that's being given to you. Alternatively, you can read each option carefully and el eliminate those that are clearly incorrect and then review the remaining options to select the one that's most correct. If you're unsure about an answer, it's better to guess on the question since unanswered questions are automatically counted as wrong answers, but it's no penalty for guessing. And so get into the next thing that everybody wants to, to know about, because as medical students, most of us are very high achievers. How is Step 2 CK scored? So in one of our previous episodes, we had talked about the USMLE Step 1 being now a pass-fail test. However, the Step 2 CK score is reported as a digital number between the range of 1 and 300. A passing score is 209. And for the academic year of 2019 to 2020, the mean Step 2 CK score was 245 with a standard deviation of 15 for first-time test takers from accredited medical schools in the United States and Canada. So, you know, there is actually a number grade. And of course, I think that uh, causes us as, as medical students to be more competitive. So let's talk about preparation. Dr. Kimberly, tell us a bit about how you prepared for your step two. So first key thing about preparing for a test is to plan. 
in my mind. Uh, I'm a planner. And so what I do is kind of get a decent idea of how much uh, content I need to get through, whichever test bank or um, study books, um, like summary type books that I'm going to get through. And I plan this out months in advance, even well before I would ever start. That gives me an idea of how much I want to get through and how long I'm going to have to get through it, particularly how, how soon should I start in order to successfully complete it. I also gave myself extra freebie days. So once every week or once every two weeks, give myself a day or half a day where I didn't do any studying just to give my brain a break. Throughout your clinical years, you're going to be soaking up some of this information that will be relevant to step two CK. And so paying close attention in your clinical years will make studying for step two much easier. So that regular coursework type stuff that you're going to be doing, make sure to pay close attention to it and learn and soak up as much as you can. There's some things you're going to forget or there's some things you won't be exposed to. And that's where this time that you take off in order to take step two CK becomes really important. Do the the study bank questions. I mean, these are going to be extremely valuable uh, for you. And what's important is not to always just look at the questions that you got wrong. Um, also look at the questions you got right. And because some of them you don't always remember if you're doing a block of 50 questions or something. You got the question right, but it was because you guessed and you didn't remember that you guessed that question. So a lot of people will just look at the questions they got wrong and study those really closely. But also look at the questions you got right and make sure you understand the the explanation behind why you got it right because you might have guessed on that question and just didn't remember that that was a guess question make sure you have a solid group of review books to reference and there's always the option of taking a course provided by the industry even though they're the cost associated with it is usually pretty high if sometimes people really need structure in order to study well they can't um, make a plan on their own and then go with it and if you're that kind of person, which you should know that by now, as far as you've gotten in your medical training, if you need those structured courses, then take them, even though they cost um, sometimes a significant amount of money. So, Dr. Jasmine, which resources do you think are better than others? So it really depends on each person's specific learning style, but it is important to do test questions and review those questions to make sure you understand how they'll be asked on a test, as well as to make sure that you reinforce the knowledge that you've already gained from doing these practice uh, questions. Uh, many people swear by UWorld, which is an electronic question bank database that offers exam style interface questions and uh, gives you information about your performance and tracks your improvement. I remember using it as a resource and I think that it was really helpful, but some people may not uh, like that type of um, that type of product. I think it's one that's used in, by a lot of medical students, um, but there are lots of resources out there that you can look into. So now that we know how the test is scored, can step two play a part in where you get selected to go for residency? So I think that's a big question. With the recent changes to step one, certainly step two can play a part in where you get selected to residency, because as you would imagine, individuals that have a higher score may be rated higher. 
you know, when we talk about the the step two scoring, it is one of the many factors considered by residency programs in selecting applicants. And so now that step one is pass fail, they usually will use those scores for step two in uh, determining kind of how to rank their residents um, or their incoming residents. I think it's also important to talk about the number of individuals who pass that that test on the first time. And really 98% of individuals in MD degree programs pass that test during the first time and 97% of DO degree candidates um, pass USMLE step two on the first time. And that's data back from 2020. And then 87% of individuals in non-US medical schools do pass that exam. So different schools really weigh that information differently when we talk about how you get into a residency program. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later on during this episode on what students are doing now as far as the timing uh, of when we uh, of when they decide to take step two and how it might impact the residency. So, Dr. Kim, uh, give us a little bit of insight about that. So as we stated in a previous podcast episode that was dealing with step one, it is transitioning from, a, or it has transitioned from a scored exam where you get a number score to a pass-fail exam as of January of this year, 2022. And, you know, that, that can be good and that can be bad. There's some, there's some benefit to it, but it really can make a, deter- a difference in when you take step two. Now that everyone who's listening to this podcast and still needs to take step one will be pass-fail. And I mentioned this in the previous um, episode, and so you can uh, check back on that step one um, podcast episode for more information. But one of the things to consider is that if you have a pass-fail for step one, or if you you passed it, let's say, and you're applying for a pretty competitive residency, then you may want to consider taking step two earlier. So take it before your um, application deadline so that your score is returned before they review your application for residency. This is that in that way, they have something to compare you with amongst the other students who are applying for residency. So it's more of a, you know, if everyone has a pass, then there's no way to determine which students to select out. And so you want to give them as much information to show that you're an excellent student as possible. Caveat to this is that you have to do very, very well on step two, because other people are thinking about this, too. Like we're not, you know, coming up with anything novel here. That's just, you know, giving people as much information as possible is is good, is a good strategy. So other people are going to do this as well. And you don't know where their scores will fall. So you really have to kill it on step two if you decide to take it before you apply to residency. If you're applying for a residency that's not very competitive, you can relax, get your your application um, season off to a good start, do your interviews and take step two before you finish. And that way you don't have to be uh, so worried about making a great score, but you do have a major test still at the end of your, your fourth year. Um, when the other people who took it earlier in the year are pretty much done with their examinations until they start residency and have to take step three. So it really is dependent on what you want to do and what what residency you want to get into. 
as to whether or not you take step two earlier in your year, meaning the summer before the fourth year begins or later in your year, like after interview season is completed. Thanks, Dr. Kim, for going over that overview of how to take step two and timing wise, especially now since there have been some changes to step one that can impact students' chances at getting selected for certain residency programs and positions. So in closing, every medical student must pass step two to be permitted to go on to residency. So the goal here is to pass the test. It's important to be well prepared for your exam and to perform well on it. There are several resources available in most institutions and private resources to help with studying for the exam and ensure your success. Um, things like we mentioned before, like question banks, including UWorld or other products um, can be key in helping you to achieve that goal. Medical education requires lifelong learning, and step two is one of the many assessment tools utilized to ensure quality physicians. So even though it seems like we're harping on some of these test-taking skills and the series of tests that are required to get you to your ultimate goal of becoming an independent physician, it's something that will be a recurring theme throughout your career. So it's very important to learn these uh, skills and strategies that work for you and how you learn early so that it'll be it'll be kind of muscle memory by the time um, uh, it'll be kind of muscle memory later on in your career when you're having to study for other exams. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Plug, where we discuss the USMLE Step 2 exam. Check out our previous episodes to review Step 1 exam suggestions, the preclinical years, and the clinical clerkships. Make sure to check back weekly on Wednesdays for our regularly scheduled episodes. We're available on your favorite podcasting platform. Please take the time to like, share, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. The music on the Doctors Washington podcast is by artist Mike Burton. He's a Jackson, Mississippi native on his album, Soulful, and the track is entitled All Right. It is available on iTunes. I believe that it's going-